Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Dewey Burt. Dewey, Carolina falls to Florida State 81-80, and I'll get it out of the way right away. I, I didn't think Carolina had a chance going into this one. I thought Florida State looked so good Saturday in Cameron. I thought the matchup was poor. I thought that Florida State had a lot of athletes that would give Carolina trouble, similar to the way they did in the first half. But give the Hills credit. They battled back. They had some foul trouble with Pinson there. Uh, Barry shot falls off the rim. They lose 81-80 in Tallahassee. ACC road is brutal. Your thoughts? I think you said it right. I, I questioned whether we could keep ourselves in the game solely or almost entirely based on how well Florida State played, like you said, at Duke on Saturday. They looked as good as anybody, especially the way they shot the ball, and they really continued that in the first half against us. It looked like we might get shot out of the gym, the way they were making threes and and making it look easy to put the ball in the basket. So like you said, give our kids credit, and and obviously we we, uh, rode Joel Berry in the second half. I mean, he was a monster and put the team on his back, getting to the rim, mid-range, making open threes, doing everything he could to get us back into it. And makes you proud to have him on our side. But we'll get into you know why why we feel like it it wasn't a game that we won when I you know I thought once we took the lead in the second half I thought it was our game to win. A couple questionable calls. I'm never one to blame the refs. A couple calls that didn't help that uh, that are just going to happen when you're on the road and had a chance to win it with the ball in your hand. You know, there's not a whole heck of a lot more you could ask for. But, uh, yeah, games are tough, and they'll always be in this conference. Yeah, you can't ask for more than having your best player get the last shot with a chance to win it. And like I said, Barry probably had Cam Johnson over there in the corner or did have Cam Johnson in the corner, but he's earned the right to take that shot every time, at least in my opinion, Dewey. Your thoughts on that? I mean, Cam Johnson for wide open three or Barry taking it to the rim. I mean, you like your opportunities and like your chances either way there. You do. And and the set, we call it a one, four flat. So that play is really designed for the guy with the ball to go get a shot. And that's what Joel did. You know, it was tough. It was contested over a hand and look, Joel's a score first point guard, not a pass first point guard. And if it was a different type of player, it probably would have been a different play that we called. We might have, had a ball screen set up there or run something that would have come out of a a set play. We've got a scoring point guard who's hot and feels good. I thought it was the right call, you know, one, four flat and let him go make a play either try to get a bucket or get to the free throw line. So in that situation, I doubt he even saw cam as open as he was the help from Angola came late. And so, yeah, cam was open, but I think at that point, Joel had made his mind up. He was going to try to get to the rim. He felt like he could get a shot off and he did. It just didn't fall. I didn't think it was a foul on Theo on the offensive rebound. I I have a problem when refs anticipate an over-the-back call when the defender doesn't attempt a box out. And in that play, Mann didn't even try to box Theo out. He was staring at the rim, staring at the ball, and Theo came and jumped over top of him without making contact and got his hands on the ball, and then they got tangled up. Why that's a foul on Theo, I don't really understand. Uh, So that hurt us because obviously – just from a time perspective, even though he missed the free throws, 
I didn't think that was a good call. I didn't think Theo's fourth foul was a good call. And then again, you know, I, I keep saying this, I don't really like to talk about the refs, but for Teddy Valentine to miss uh, a blatant foul when Joel Berry got his arm held by the Florida State guy that caused him to not be able to chase down a, an over-the-top pass. And then when the senior captain of our team tries to speak to you, the ref, and you turn your back on him, that is incredibly disrespectful and uncalled for and making it about you. And my opinion is I don't think Coach Williams saw that because if he had, I think he would have blown his stack and gotten a T defending his player. It's just my opinion, and, and we'll see the press conference. Maybe he did. But my hunch is he didn't see that because that was incredibly disrespectful. Again, to a senior captain, not just a player, the guy who is designated to speak to the ref for our team is Joel Berry. So if anytime there's a conversation, he's the guy who's supposed to talk to the refs. Coach Williams, a lot of times when we come into a, a TV timeout, he'll say to the senior captain or who's ever uh, the guy who's been designated to talk to the refs, he'll say, hey, when we come out of this timeout, please go tell that ref this. And he uses the player to communicate to the ref. So for Teddy Valentine to do that again is so disrespectful, and he should be reprimanded by the conference for that because that is, you know, I'm about to start cussing about how ridiculous that was. Indeed it was. It was not surprising. Uh, we've seen that a bunch. And I'm Indeed not – Teddy. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I don't like to talk about the calls in the game because there's a lot both ways. But that that was shocking. I saw Billis tweet about it. I, I saw, you know, sort of Twitter blow up about it. But nothing's going to happen. Let's be honest. Nothing's going to happen to Valentine, at least publicly in the conference. And And it is what it is. But you're right. You've got a senior leader. He's the captain. He's the guy that talks to the officials and you turn your back and not just turn around and walk off. You just dramatically turn your back, fold your arms. It's just garbage, but it is what it is. Um, you know, Pinson's fourth there reminded me, and I'm maybe getting a little old for you, but it reminded me of Ed Coda's fourth against Florida in the 2000 final four semifinals. Carolina had fought back. Forte went nuts. Carolina got back into the game. Coda gets that fourth foul, and it just kind of falls apart from there. Your thoughts on Pinson coming out there? I, I think he needed to come out to settle down. He was clearly worked up and, you know, overhyped about the foul call. But your thoughts on him sitting while Florida State sort of righted the ship, so to speak? Sure. I mean, Coach Williams, again, he's a creature of habit. And so when a guy gets four and you're anywhere really above the four-minute our under four minute timeout, he's going to sit him and and try to get to that under four timeout and then bring him back in, uh, just with the concern of him fouling out. And Theo, I thought, had some great spurts in this game. Uh, his ability to be a willing passer, like we've talked about, uh, found Joel and Kenny a couple times for threes. Had that great dunk off the pass from Jalik. I thought he was flying around and was really really active. So it, it's tough as a coach, you know, and uh, it's easy to say, well, situationally, he should have left him in or should have brought him back in earlier. But, you know, Coach Williams, he falls on habit. And, and his belief is you, you, if a player has two fouls in the first half, more than likely he's going to sit the rest of the half. And when a player gets four, he's going to probably keep him out until the under four timeout. And that's what he did. And Theo came right back in and made plays, none bigger than the, uh, the steal off the trap and, and finding Joel for that three. 
So it's a tough one. I mean, he brought Playtech in, who kid plays his butt off. Uh, he's just, you know, not quite ready to to be a fully impactful player. Uh, so no question it hurt us. I mean, but anytime you take a senior out who's been a starter and an impact player, you're going to have a little bit of a drop-off. And, you know, that's what happened. Let's look at the first half, because I think uh, this game was really lost there in, in the first yeah. half. Agreed. You know, and everybody talks about Florida State hit the nine threes or whatever it was in the first half. But I thought the issue there and inside Carolina, I guess Greg Barnes tweeted it from the game. Carolina allowed them to shoot nine for 13 from two in the first half. And Carolina's defense from two has been much better than that. And Florida State got too many easy ones. Second half, completely different ball game. The shooting dries up. Uh, the contested twos are there. And Florida State struggles more. So your thoughts there? I mean, people often see the end of a game and think that's when the games are won and lost, but rarely are they won and lost then. And I thought this one was lost in that first half. Uh, yeah, our, our defense, and particularly our on-the-ball defense, was not good in the first half. I know everybody likes to talk about how we overhelp on penetration and, and leave open three-point shooters. And I'm one to most of the time agree with that because I think we help unnecessarily – when a guy is not actually beat off the bounce, he's still in a credible defensive uh, position, and we help anyway. That is not what I thought in watching the first half today. I thought our on-ball defense was very poor, and we allowed them to have a lot of direct drives into the lane where we really had no choice but to help because that's how we're coached, which then led to a lot of the open threes. But it wasn't just that. Like you said, they had a ton of easy baskets around the rim, direct drives, easy layups, easy putbacks. So obviously we tightened it up in the second half, but for them to get what they get, 51 points in the first half yep. and the ease of the looks and they might, they felt like they shot 60%. I didn't look at the box at halftime. So our defense, no question, let us down. It was really our offensive rebounding and Kenny Williams that kept us in the game. It could, we could have been down 20, 25. Uh, I thought Manley gave us some really nice minutes. Luke had a couple buckets that kept us in it and Kenny was really good in the first half, but uh, containing penetration to me was the problem. It, it undid all of our rotations. We were then having to be forced to help in the lane to give up threes. Uh, they rotated the ball. Well, we just, we were a mess. Um, and even in transition, we didn't do a good job. Coach Williams always talks about priding himself that we are a team that's going to run at you, but we're also going to run back. And a lot of teams say they like to push the ball and, and run on offense but it takes a certain amount of toughness and conditioning to also run back on defense. And in the first half, we didn't do a good job of that. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of funny talking about running with Carolina Ravitch. See, I believe it was Ravitch. I couldn't really hear him over Vital too much in the ballgame, but said Carolina loves to run, but they don't like to be run at. And I, I, given the two styles of ball games that Carolina will play tonight and then in Virginia, I think Carolina will take running up and down with a team like Florida State every day of the week, don't you think? No doubt. And that's how we, that's what people have to understand. That's how we practice. That's how we play pickup. I mean, these guys, our guys, are used to running and getting run at. Uh, because, again, and we've talked about this on this podcast, in order to play the way we like to play and have forever, you have to practice this way and condition yourself this way. And the only way you do that is in your five-on-five -five situations in practice you're running when you have the ball and you're getting run back at when you're on defense. Uh, so typically we do fine in transition defense today. 
Uh, we were a little disorganized, like I said, and we allowed a lot of ball penetration that either allowed easy buckets at the rim or open threes. So it's it's amazing what happens and how much more sound you can be defensively when you contain the ball. And uh, we just frankly didn't do a good enough job of that in the first half. And everybody wants to point to the three-point shooting, but look at the final box. We, we shot exactly the same. We shot 11 for 29, you know, and so did they. So it, that's not where they beat us, to your point. They beat us with too many easy ones in the first half, a lot of stuff around the rim. And, God, they tried to give us the game at the end, missing those four free throws. We just uh, couldn't quite make one more play. Yep, Florida State's going to Florida State at the end of ball games. Cohen just couldn't quite get it done, losing 81-80. Let's talk about a couple more things, Dewey. Uh, looking at Carolina's inside play, and we've talked about it, it's, it's a key and it's a must for Carolina to have success. And I thought Sterling Manley looked very good against Florida State's bigs. I think they had a couple big men out, but still, he, he played very well, I thought. But nothing from Garrison Brooks. Uh, nothing from Brandon Huffman. Not much opportunity for Huffman. But your thoughts there. I mean, Carolina's just got to get something from the inside and not put it all on Barry's and Williams and Cam Johnson if he becomes that go-to guy you know, as the season progresses. But your thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got to remember that as great as Luke May has been, he's incredibly undersized. Maybe not tonight because Florida State didn't have all their big guys, but in general, in the conference, Luke's a small uh, guy playing the power forward position. He's undersized. And so because of that, it puts more pressure and makes us rely even more so on the freshman bigs. Like you said, I thought Sterling Manley was great tonight. He was aggressive. Uh, he was rebounding out of his area, which is something that you hear scouts talk about. You know, can the can big rebound outside of his area, or does he only just get the ones that come kind of right where he's at? Uh, he attacked the glass very nicely tonight, had a couple of nice stickbacks. But he's still not in shape. He's still not quite ready. You can see that he gets tired. You see that he's slow on defensive rotations. He misses box outs. Uh, and, and Garrison, I think, does a better job defensively. He moves his feet better understands our pick and roll defense and and is a little bit better on the defensive glass but he struggles offensively he's not strong enough to finish around the rim uh you can see even when he's in the vicinity of a 50 50 ball almost every time he does not come up with it and sometimes 50 50 balls aren't always desire they're also strength and he needs a summer in the weight room so that if he has the desire to win those 50-50 balls, he's also strong enough to end up with it. Uh, and so he's just not there yet. And look, they are who they are, and, and they're going to take lumps. And when we go play at Duke, I'm telling you, that there's going to be a struggle for those guys because they're going to be playing against men, NBA-ready guys, and it's just different. But I think the future is bright, particularly for Manly. I'm really excited to see what he becomes because of his length and the frame and the way he's going to be able to hopefully build his body if he's committed. Uh, but I just think we're going to have a, a lot of games like this where Joel Berry and our perimeter guys are going to have to carry us, going to have to make shots, and going to have to make tough shots from the perimeter in order for us to, to win against teams that are talented and long and, and have some size. And in fairness to Brooks, he did have two good offensive rebounds early, six rebounds total, 0 for 2 from the field. One thing, and maybe this is just me being old school, is I thought he should have not allowed the Florida State guy to have that run out done. Should have fouled. Absolutely. Yeah. He's and seven, and you I, know, he's seven feet tall. Shot to block yeah. the shot. 
Yeah, I said to my wife sitting there, you got to hammer that guy because that dunk right there gets the crowd. If you get dunked on, you get dunked on, but that crowd gets back in at it, gets their momentum back. Um, Last before we get out of here, Kenny Williams, hot in the first half, not so much in the second half. Your thoughts on his play and maybe what's the difference for him first half to second half? I saw somebody had tweeted first half Kenny, and he had a great one in the first half, really – Looked good, made a lot of shots, kept them in the ball game. In the second half, he was four for five from three in the first. I think zero for six in the second. What's going on there in his mind? Do you think? I don't. That's a tough one to answer. I mean, the kid plays so hard. It's hard to find fault with anything Kenny Williams does. He could be our most coachable player, and just when you watch how we play and knowing how Coach Williams wants us to play on both ends and defensively, the positioning where we're supposed to be off the ball. The kid is just almost always in the right spot. And like you said, he had a great first half. He's had a penchant for hitting shots early. Um, You know, probably because if if the other team is thinking about their scattering report, they're worried about Joel and they're probably worried about Luke. And and then all of a sudden, Kenny hits you with a couple shots before you really had a chance to focus on him. So, look, teams make adjustments at half. And they may have focused on him a little bit more. Maybe he got a little tired. A couple of his threes were short. But again, Kenny's not our problem. The kid gave you 18, 7, and 3 in 34 minutes, and he plays his absolute butt off. So uh, hopefully he can figure out a way to contribute the same way in the second half as he does in the first. But Kenny Williams is not our problem. You know, our issue is, is as a whole, defending better. Uh, we need more from our bigs. We need more easier baskets. And uh, we need Cam uh, Johnson to get all the way healthy because I think there's a lot more there than he's been able to show just yet. Uh, I just don't think he's moving that well yet. You can kind of see, I think he's a step slow, a step behind from a rhythm perspective and he's still getting his legs back. Uh, It'd be great to see how he looks a month from now when he can play 25, 35 minutes, not get fatigued, have his legs under him at the end of a game to make shots and and attack the rim. Uh, So I, I look for Cam to, to help Kenny on the wing and, and be an impact player once he feels better. Indeed there, Johnson. I, I like the way he attacked the rim that one time. He missed a dunk, but you got to try to dunk it against Florida State, and he certainly did. And you're right about Kenny Williams. I mean, he does everything. Uh, he sets the table in the first half, and then Barry comes and does what he does late. Last question before I let you go. Florida State in this tight ball game on a Wednesday night, Virginia – in what's going to be a slow, grind it out, poke your eyes out with a rusty fort ball game on Saturday. I mean, talk about that transition for a basketball team, those two totally different scenarios uh, in a week. That's right. And it's actually the theme as far as what we need to focus on is not dissimilar to what we just talked about with Florida State. Virginia is going to grind you, grind you, grind you. And when we are on defense, we've got to have the discipline to handle all the screens that they're going to set, the motion offense they're going to run, and not allow penetration, not allow open threes. Because the way you beat Virginia is you have to get stops. Because if you get stops, you can get out and transition and push the pace. If we're letting them run 25 seconds off the shot clock and then get a bucket and go back and set their defense, we're going to play this game in the 40s and 50s. Uh, So it's about getting stops to me. Uh, they don't have more talent than us. We should be the more talented team. We've got definitely more size than them. But if our guys, you know, play 
the way they have at times, like in Michigan State and in other games, and, and let Virginia out-physical them, then our bigs aren't going to have an impact. But if we can use our size to our advantage and, and, like I said, get stops and push the pace a little bit, very winnable game. But if it's at their pace and we're not getting offensive rebounds, we're not getting second opportunities, and the overall possession count is way, way down, it's going to be a tough game for us to win. Good stuff, Dewey. Appreciate you taking time to join me. I hope we get to talk again soon. Carolina falls to Florida State, 81-80. Heads to Virginia on Saturday. The ACC grind, especially on the road. Nothing tougher in the country. Thanks, Dewey. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.